This is Justin. Today on Theocast, John and I are going to have a conversation about the fact that we don't often see the accusations of the evil one. We're conditioned to think that his accusations look a particular way, that they're fiery darts, that maybe they are hurled at us by legalistic preachers or by scriptures being quoted out of context or even by the well-meaning pietistic friend we have. But in reality, just by virtue of the fact that we live in this world and we think like other human beings think, and that Satan is operative in this world, we have absorbed a lot of things that affect how we think about our relationship with God. We question whether we can really go to our Heavenly Father sometimes. We even question our own union with Christ because we are so afraid that we've not done enough, that we're not legitimate enough, that maybe there isn't mercy for us. So we're going to talk about all these things today. We hope this is eye-opening for you. And at the end of it all, we hope that you're comforted in Christ and that we all learn to trust the Lord and take Him at His word, that He has in fact saved us. Stay tuned. We are excited to announce we have a brand new podcast available called the Kingsmen Podcast. It's where we are reclaiming biblical manhood by training and equipping men for the work of the kingdom. You can find it anywhere you download a podcast. You can also watch it on YouTube. We have new episodes that come out every Monday. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ, conversations about the Christian life from a confessional, reformed, and pastoral perspective. Your hosts today are John Moffat, who is pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee, and I am Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. And we are recording virtually today, John. We had some good time together yes, we did. a couple of weeks yeah. ago. And uh, between you guys coming in town and then I had some other friends in town recently, I think I'm still tired. You're tired? Uh, even more than normal and recovering <laughs> from all that, but thankful for good friends and thankful for the content that we got recorded and the right. things that we were able to do and plan and discuss while you were here. Yeah. And I trust people will be seeing more of that rolling out in the coming weeks and months. And we hope that's encouraging and profitable for yeah. people. But here we are again in our respective studios, looking at each other on a screen, and we're yeah. going to try to have another conversation about Christ and the Christian life and even the That's tactics right. of the evil one. Yeah, well, it's funny because um, I think a lot of people either are busy or whatever or skip the intros, and they think you and I are in the same location and even the same church, and we're not. So we're in yeah, different states. None of, that, none of that's true. Yeah. No, but we try to spend time together as much as we can. Uh, a couple of announcements for you. be fun if we you. could spend more. Yeah, I know. Uh, we're still working on Theocast U, uh, adding more and more classes to that. We have a pretty big announcement coming up soon about being able to have uh, one app where everything is housed. So stay tuned for that. The, the thing is, what if you most of you don't understand is that um, we record almost four weeks in advance. So there are times where we make announcements and we're like, we hope it's ready by then. <laughs> we don't. We're know. projecting a little bit. <laughs> That's right, and I believe. Uh, Forgive me, I've got a chest cold I'm coming out of. Um, I believe you still have time to register to come be a part of an event that Justin and I are going to be at at the Grace Reform Network in Nashville, October 3rd mm-hmm. and 4th. And if you haven't registered for that, please do. Um, it's a suggestion donation of $20. So we're trying to make it affordable for anybody. There's like, I think, 150 slots available. And we're going to be doing subjects, um, lectures and panels, discussions and sermons on Confessionalism, covenant theology, law gospel distinction, saint center realities. Um, what else? Am I missing something? No, you're good. I mean, Something the sermons like will be what the sermons are. They'll be, yeah. But the panels and the 
the talks will be on that subject right. that you already outlined. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and just pray for wisdom and strength for Justin. Uh, that's going to be the beginning of the network, Lord willing. It's called Charter, Charter Meeting. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll start then. And then every year we'll hopefully have our meeting in June. So it, we're excited. Yeah. We have multiple churches that, well, you and I are in conversation with the church in Romania that's starting, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully will be starting and will be a part of our network. So it's, um, it's exciting, and we're we're thankful the Lord has given us the opportunity to unite and uh, encourage each other and plant churches. I think it's uh, it's all the announcements I got. Yeah, yeah that <clears throat> that October three and four is open to everybody. Just to reiterate, everybody and every everybody. individual needs to register just because we've got a limited yes. seating capacity. And so, if you're bringing a group from your church, every individual needs to register. And uh, yeah, we hope to see many of you there. And it'll be good. It'll be good content. If you enjoy the pod, I think that you'll really enjoy the talks and the panels. And I trust the sermons, the singing, the things that we do. And you'll also get to meet a lot of like-minded people. So that's not the thing I'm excited yet, about. You should yeah. change your mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am excited about meeting so many of these like-minded believers. So and mm-hmm. it's in people from your church as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll jump into the topic here, Justin. Uh, it's, it's a good one. And um Sometimes the way in which Justin and I choose our topics, um, we have several that are scheduled out for this year, um, topics that we like to cover, things like covenant theology and baptism and spiritual warfare and prayer. Uh, Prayer's been on the docket for a while. We'll get to it eventually. We will. But uh, sometimes Justin and I have conversations before we get started, and it's related to our own personal lives. Mm -hmm. And um, these become the most, I think, valuable conversations because you get to hear the pastoral side of Theocast. So today um, is a conversation about just Justin and I, as we think through theology and we think through preaching and we think through um, our own congregations and our own struggles, you know, we've done a really good job at Theocast of helping you um, see pietism Mm. and illegalism, not only um, just historically, but even in modern day evangelicalism. And how often it causes us to be introspective, question our salvation, and really become anxious in our relationship with the Lord when we shouldn't. There should be no anxiety in our, no fear in our relationship with our Father, Mm -hmm. only rest and and comfort and joy. But then there's another influence in our life that we're going to talk about today. And that influence is often camouflaged. We don't mm-hmm. see it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were k- kicking around some of my titles and one of them was camouflaged accusations. Mm-hmm. You know, when, um, when the new Testament describes the tactics of our accuser, Lucifer, Satan, uh, it describes him as an angel of light. He's the father mm-hmm. of all lies, but yet he's a crouched lion that hides his tactics. Like you don't really understand and see what he's doing. And so today's conversation is going to be about how Satan can use different and, and, and various means mm-hmm. to influence our understanding of our relationship with God. Um, you know, funny title, there's a uh, Kingsman podcast out about this called Satan, the First Influencer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see this where Lucifer is having this conversation with Eve in the garden, mm-hmm. and he is... Uh, changing her perspective about her relationship with God and things that God had said. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, she accepted those. Adam did not do his job in helping um, counteract those truths. And those uh, thoughts then took action, mm-hmm. right? And Justin and I, 
we are willing to admit often when we're not careful, the lies of Satan through the world, through means of the world and various means that could be, and we know that that Satan uses people, things that have been communicated, we start to question our relationship with our Father in means of his acceptance of us. And most of the time, Justin, it's based upon performance or the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. And that would be my introduction. I know you'd like to give a couple of thoughts and then we'll go ahead and just, just head down that road. Yeah, the camouflaged accusations, like you said, was a potential title. Mm-hmm. We're talking a little bit about the covert ops of the evil one today. Yeah, you know, that's really it's, good. Yeah, It's not maybe as obvious to us because I think we, and you acknowledge this already. I mean, we, on this show, on this podcast over the years, have talked a lot about pietism and revivalism and even easy listening legalism and all these kinds of things. And I think many of us have our antennas up for that. And when we hear that, we can spot it. I know what that is, and I'm not going to listen to that. Uh, But then to your point, Satan is very shrewd, and he is referred to not only as an angel of light and as a liar, he also is called the God of this world Mm -hmm. in the New Testament by Jesus and Paul. And that's significant because he clearly is at work in the world. And, uh, you know, when he shows up, you mentioned the garden, Genesis 3, the first time we read of him, he is, he's manipulative. He is lying and deceiving. He's crafty. He's shrewd. All those things are true. And I, I, I read through Job recently, just, mm-hmm. you know, personally. And, you know, even there in the early chapters, the way that, and maybe, you know, we're reading a little bit into his tone or I am, but even the way that Satan interacts, like when the sons of God are assembled and mm-hmm. uh, the way he interacts, even with the Lord, obviously Satan is a servant of God and he's under his sovereignty and all those things. But he, his craftiness and his manipulativeness are just evident, you know, uh, where it's like, oh, you know, Job only, he only loves you because you bless him. That's right. <laughs> I mean, what a manipulative creature he is. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And so I think the conversation today is our attempt to try to talk in ways that maybe we don't on this show all the time. And I think as your eyes, John, and my eyes have been open to things over the course of our years of, of study, but also just living life as humans in this world, we experience things, we feel things. And I think over the course of time, you begin more and more to realize, ah, I think, I think I know what this is, mm-hmm. and this isn't of the Lord. And I'll, I'll start by saying it this way. Um, and we'll probably say this multiple times. I probably will. Satan's tactics, more than anything else, for the believer are to cause us to do anything. Like he wants to do anything he can to cause us to take our eyes off of Christ and put them on ourselves. So if he's able to do that, that's a— He'll use anything and everything to do it. That's a dub. That's a a win for him if he is able to take our eyes off of Christ and put them on ourselves. And there are many ways that this occurs— that are not the overt legal preacher, that are mm-hmm. not the, you know, it's just legalism and threats flying from the pulpit. It's not pietistic and revivalistic stuff that's just obvious. Uh, it's nothing like that. It's not scripture, you know, like Bible verses are not even being quoted at us, even if they're out of context. It, it, none of that is what we're talking about. Yeah. This is just life in the world, day over day, week over week. We think in certain ways, the world thinks in certain ways, and given that Satan is the God of this world, our argument is this kind of thinking comes from him in one sense. 
That's it right. does not come from the Lord. So that's maybe a second teeing up of the conversation. We're priming the yeah. pump. So now let's maybe talk a little yeah. more particularly. I have one. Great. That is used often. I know you've heard it. You're um, you're talking to someone who's either grew up in the Christian church and fallen away, or there might even be an unbeliever. And they say, oh, yeah, well, God God could never love someone like me. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you know, I, 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 I've, I've done too much, you know. Or the other lie that's related to that is, well, I, I need to clean up my act before I can come back to church. Or I need to clean up my act before I would ever, you know, God 100%. would ever accept my prayers. 100%. Those are absolute lies of Satan that are communicated in our culture and around the world and have been so for thousands of years. And they don't come from scripture. They absolutely don't. But we we believe them. And, and at different levels, Justin, we have felt this. Um, have you ever felt ashamed to stand up on a Sunday and preach? For sure. <laughs> and is, you know, and it's it's not because you didn't have access to the king to receive mercy and grace, right? It's not because mm-hmm. um you you were living in full acceptance of your union in Christ. And I'm not saying we we brush our sin under the rug and it's like, oh, it doesn't really matter. I'm the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, the guilt is often used to draw us to Christ. Right. But what what ends up happening is, is we use, we allow the world and the world's standards, which is influenced by Satan, mm-hmm. to come in and change scripture. And we don't even realize it's happening. Right. It happens so subtly. And this is the day. And so those are, that would be two examples that I have given. I, I, I have felt people who believe that God requires a certain level of obedience to remain in acceptance with him. And this is where the law comes in and, and is utterly destroys you. And I, I love using this. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you know, if you'd like to know how far you need to come before God's going to accept you, would you like to know that? You know, just I'll play the game with you. Let's play the game. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how far do I think I'm going to come? I said, well, uh, we'll just start with the first one. It's because it's the most important one. He says, you got to love him with all your heart, mind, and strength, and you can't fail, and you can't stop doing that. So once you get to that point, and, you know, they kind of start looking at you like, and, you know, and I'm waiting for them to ask, well, well do you do that? I'm like, no, I've never done that. Mm-hmm. I've never once loved God with all my heart, mind, strength. I wish I could. You know, you, you, you they want to use the law which Satan says, yeah, use the law mm-hmm. to come back to Christ. And the gospel says you can't use the law. This is what the good news is. Right. That whole premise that you're outlining falls underneath this, the umbrella of like, I'm not legitimate or I'm not good enough, you know? And this is prevalent in the church and in the world because right. now there's a lot of inconsistency in the way that this is done. But if you think about how the world operates, it's like you, you've got to be legitimate. You've got to be authentic. You've got to be consistent, you know, in the ways that you think this, do this, carry yourself, uh, now, there's obviously a lot of double standard in the world. We all acknowledge this, but this is how the world talks. And so, like you said, how many times have we gotten up as pastors to preach or we're preparing sermons or whatever? And we know in turn, it's like, man, I'm a miserable wretch. Like, I, <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I had an experience recently where I was, uh, completely exhausted by the time the week I was behind and starting on sermon prep. I was very exhausted from just what had been going on the previous days. I was underslept and I, in my own heart and soul was wrestling with having to prep a sermon Hmm. and having to do the hard work that it is to study 
and prepare and then deliver the message, just feeling like I'm running on fumes. And, and there are times in this whole experience where I'm struggling to concentrate. I'm just keeping my butt in the chair because it's like I know that there's nothing else to be done. I'm praying. I'm asking the Lord for grace and help. And internally, I resent the fact that I'm having to do this. Mm-hmm. And I am thinking, like I just said, I am an abject, miserable wretch. Like it is a privilege to preach scripture. It is a it is a privilege to herald Christ. It's a privilege that I study the word of God uh, for, I mean, as a piece of my job in order to feed the saints, including my own soul. And here I am just a mess inside. And I, you know, you immediately are like, I'm not legitimate. I'm not fit to be a pastor. I just need to quit the ministry. Uh, like why in the world would anybody want to hear anything I have to say? Uh, you know, I like, how can I get up here and do this? And that's just one example of how we think when in reality I'm encouraged by, I've quoted him many times. I'll quote it again. I quoted him to you earlier, John, John Newton. This is balm to my soul. People know who John Newton is Anglican minister and hymn writer. And he said in private, I am cold and lifeless as usual. Mm. Yet he permits me to speak for him in public. That's how we should talk. I think, you know, I, we're not Richard Baxter fans here, but the man said some true things, including I preach as a dying man to dying men. True. Yeah. We would say we preach as struggling sinners to struggling sinners. That's, That's right. how this goes. And the enemy, the enemy would have us think that unless all of our I's are dotted and all of our T's are crossed and we are absolutely crushing every element of the Christian life and pastoral ministry, then you're not fit to do this and That's you're right. not fit to get up there. That's just one. But I could, I could boots on the ground like this week, brother, you know, I, I'm questioning, am I, am I legitimate? Am I good enough as a husband? Am I legitimate? Am I good enough as a dad? You know, am I legitimate? Am I good enough as a pastor? Not, not sermon prep, but just in how I'm living life this week, navigating things in our local church meetings that I've got on my calendar that I don't want any part of. It's like, these are things that we deal with. And this is the frailty of our frames. And the evil one would have us think that we're, he would, he would double down on the fact that we're not good enough. And then he would have us think, well, I can't go to Christ. That's right. I can't go to my father because I'm disappointed in me. He must be too. God, and I, I suspect that I'm a faker. Well, God knows everything and he knows the inner recesses of my heart. So how could I go to him in this moment? And I just am a sham and a fraud of a human yeah. being. And that's how we can be crippled with doubt and question our legitimacy and question even our union with the Lord Jesus. And none of this has occurred because of anything a preacher has said to me That's right. or anything I've read in the scripture. This is just how I feel living life in this world. Yeah. And this goes to the second lie that I'm going to bring up is that what you're describing is weakness exactly. and you're, you're wrestling with your weakness, which I know I wrestle with my weakness and the accusations of the accuser says, well, that's your own fault because, well, you haven't tried hard enough. Right. And he wants us so desperately to take so our eyes off of Jesus. Harder. That's right. Get take your eyes, your eyes, on eyes your off of Jesus. Regiment and discipline. Yeah. That's right. And what I think is interesting, I mean, let's just, I'll start with two or three and you can pick up where I leave off. But it's like, what is what does Paul say? Stand in the strength of the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Looking unto Jesus, the what author Amen. and finisher of our faith. What we walk by faith, so that we what do not uh, fulfill the desires of the flesh. Mm-hmm. So one of the tactics, and it works well with me. He gets me all the time. You know, well, if I you know I I should have done this, and I shouldn't have eaten that, and I should have gone, I shouldn't have done sit ups, and this, and all of a sudden I'm thinking my mistakes are the results. 
of my own strength when I should have sat back and say, Father, without your strength and your power and your gospel in my life. I'll just quote a passage we, you know, it might be the key passage of Theocast. First Peter 1, 9, right? Why are you ineffective and unfruitful? Because you have forgotten you've been cleansed by a power that is outside of you, right? You've forgotten mm-hmm. to be cleansed from your former sins. We walk as cleansed children, by the power of the spirit, not by the power of the flesh. And man, does he really trick us to trust in the power of the flesh. If you're new to Theocast, we have a free ebook available for you called Faith versus Faithfulness, a primer on rest. And if you struggled with legalism, a lack of assurance, or simply want to know what it means to live by faith alone, we wrote this little book to provide a simple answer from a reformed confessional perspective. You can get your free copy at theocast.org slash primer. I'm going to circle back to what I was talking about, my experience, you know, in trying to prep that sermon just a few weeks ago and my experience as a preacher, because I want to be playing with, with people. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, an inconsistent mess in my own heart and mind as I'm wrestling through that whole process. I'm crying out to the Lord. It's like, you know, Lord, I know you're all I got. I know Christ, you're, you're my righteousness. You know, you're the forgiveness of my sins and my eternal life. And I'm, I'm thankful that you use broken vessels and you draw straight lines with very crooked sticks. And I pray that you'll use me. And I pray that you'll turn the water of my efforts into wine for your people. I mean, this is what I'm crying out, right? And mm-hmm. then I have found it to be true time and time again in my own experience when I feel like just a wreck in my humanity going into preaching on the Lord's day. And John, I'm sure you would affirm the same. I find that the Lord shows himself to be mighty and faithful Mm -hmm. in those moments because I, and I even, I mean, the, the text I was preaching was Romans 8, 31 to 39. I mean, good grief. It's like, well, you know, what what better passage? You know, nothing, literally nothing. <laughs> nothing. Uh, yeah. I mean, Paul basically defies the entire universe to separate us from the love of God in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus, our Lord, you know? And so I'm, I'm preaching this, but I'm able in my introduction to kind of acknowledge the weakness that we all have in us and even to acknowledge per, very personally, here's, I know that I have felt this in my own heart and mind this week. And so how how do we hope? You know, what peace can we have? And the Lord uses our weakness, but the Mm -hmm. enemy tells us that our weakness is what's going to ruin us. When in reality, the word of the Lord is, my power is is displayed in your weakness. My grace Mm -hmm. is sufficient, right? And this is not actually a bad thing in my economy of redemption and salvation, though you think that it is. And Mm -hmm. so that's just, I'm encouraged in thinking about these things. Absolutely. Jump in, yeah, and then I, yeah, I, I wanted to add an illustration. Yeah, you know, Jesus says to Peter, um, "Satan wants to sift you like wheat." Yeah, and if you don't really oh, understand an illustration, you know, it's obviously a farming illustration. What did what did Peter do? Peter stood in his own strength and said, "Lord, I'll never betray you." That's right. He though stood everybody in his else own will, not, strength. Though everybody yeah. else will, I will not. Yeah, and not only once, my dear brother, who I love and has been a great comfort to my own heart, love oh, Peter me too. three times. Me too. Right. Peter was a great illustration for us who yes. can go back and read and say, this is what happens when you stand in your own strength. It's like, I'm just like him. That's yeah. right. Just like That's him. That's right. And it's, it's a, it's a Satan. It's, I, I you know, um, by the way, I'm going to say this here and we're going to do some more work on this later. Justin and I aren't um, making excuses for anyone. 
No. And blaming it, you know, Satan made me do it kind of a thing. No. Uh, the way the Bible describes it is that our flesh is weak and our yep. spirit is willing, right? And our flesh can easily be drawn away. And and, mm-hmm. and Lucifer has had 2,000 years of practicing his, t- see, he, he doesn't die, right? He's a he's a spirit. So uh, he's, he's, a, he's an uh, angelic being. Sorry, let me put it that way. So he's had practice for 2,000 years of, of um, tripping us up. And so when he's having these conversations, even when Jesus is you know, speaking to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, it's because he's pro- projecting the lies mm-hmm. of, um, of Satan, right? Mm-hmm. That's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting how the wrestle that Justin and I are constantly wrestling with on Theocast is to get people to take their eyes off of themselves and their own capacities. For sure. Like, this is why we believe we, we are ordinary means um, we we hold we're we're in the tradition of the ordinary means of grace. We got to yeah. trust in power a power source that's outside of ourselves by mm-hmm. the preaching of the word and the gathered church and fellowship and singing and prayer. Yeah. Right, the table um, and baptism and all that. That's right. What does Satan yeah. want to do? He wants to sift us away from those things and get us distracted with busyness so that we don't find ourselves receiving or, grace from the Lord. Or to question whether those things really can do the job. That's right. Oh well, I mean yeah, that you're just going to church. I mean, yeah. you, you you know, it's not anything. What about your personal interior of your life? You know, I mean, that's, that's right. the stuff we do. And we question ourselves. Like I was telling you today on the phone, it's like, I know that I believe the gospel. Uh, I believe the scriptures. I am trusting, consciously am trusting Christ and I'm confessing it. I'm saying it to the Lord. Like you're all I got. Mm-hmm. And I, and I believe this. And at the same time, like I, I don't feel the way I want to feel. And so then you start asking all kinds of questions about your legitimacy. And I was having a conversation with some friends who were in town this past weekend. This was kind of, a, you know, around the fire pit one evening. And we were talking about this same thing, that you're so prone to question yourself because you're always measuring. Mm-hmm. And I'm again, I'm not talking about legalistic preachers and all the measurements yeah. they throw at us. I'm yeah. just saying we in our own consciences and the way we think in the world, we're measuring ourselves. Oh. And you question whether you're legitimately a Christ follower. Am I legitimately his? And then you you come across passages that are balm for your soul, where Jesus says that I know, I know my sheep and they know me, mm. and they hear my voice and they follow me. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he says that he give to those people. He's like, I give them eternal life and nobody's ever going to take them from me. And my father's the one who gave them to me and nobody can take them from my father either because the father and I are one. And you hear things like that and you say, you know what? How many times have I had conversations with people and I have said verbatim, I, if I could have left Christ, I would have. Mm-hmm. If I could have punted the faith, I would have. 10 times over. But there has always been something about Jesus that I can't walk away from. Why is that? Because I've heard his voice. That's right. right? And, and he has me. And it's, it's the John 6 reality. It's like, Lord, yeah. where are we going to go? You're the one <laughs> who's got the words of eternal life, right? <laughs> right? And so, like, you come back to these things. And when you, start, when you think that and when you feel that, that is actually a statement. For, I mean, I think that's the Lord's kindness to us to say, child, you're mine. And that's I've right. got you. And, Amen. yeah, you're frail and you're weak, but I'm strong. And I'm able, Amen. You know? Yeah. Amen. Well, you're in Romans, but I'll, I'll quote it and you, I'll let you jump on it. But um, he says, you know, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And, sure. at, you know, this is the latter part of the letter. And I, you can't and help I'm not but go there back yet, to, but yeah, but you can go back to it. Romans 8. 
Sure. And what are we renewing our minds in? Well, what can separate you from Christ? Right. So when so when you hear these things, well, you're not you're not well, sufficient. And well, it's brother, like, I, well, go ahead. Go, no, I was just, I promise you, we ain't renewing our minds via our efforts to obey. That's We're renew, right. We are renewing our minds according to Christ for us in the gospel. That's right. I mean, when I hear Paul say, "Hey, John." There's nothing that's going to separate you, not even Satan and his demons, because he says principalities, powers, and he he describes everything that could possibly separate you. Yeah, and those are the things that I need to be. So when I'm being told, "Hey, try hard to do better," mm-hmm. I need to be renewing my mind and nope this this yep. is who I am in Christ. Therefore, <laughs> I'm going to boldly run into my father's throne room right now and say, "Father, I messed up. I am face planted, and it's been bad. Can you give me mercy? Yeah. All right, brief, give, give briefly, me strength to obey." Briefly on Romans 8, 31 to 39, it is not coincidental that where, where Paul begins, he says, you know, God's for us, guys. Like, mm-hmm. how do we know all these things are going to be true that I've been saying? Well, God's for us. And uh, the evidence of that is that Christ came. Mm-hmm. You're, not, not your life, not your circumstances, not how you're doing. The evidence is that Christ came. And if that's true, is God going to withhold any th- good thing from us? Of course he won't. But then where does he start? Who's, who can bring any charge against God's elect? So he deals immediately with our guilt and and our shame. Who can bring any charge against us and who's going to condemn? Because God's the one who justifies and Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and and now he intercedes for us. So he deals with the guilt and the shame part. This is to your your point about what do you renew your mind according to? You renew your mind according to that, that guilt and shame and all those things that people long, like know they need and are crying out for and it's nowhere to be found mercy and forgiveness and absolution are ours in Christ. Right. Then he pivots to suffering in this life and even spiritual warfare. That's how, how he goes. And I would say that it's very clear in his mind that if you, can, if you don't know that you are free from guilt and condemnation, you will never stand in the midst of trial and the <laughs> accusations and the onslaught of the enemy. You can't. And so that's how we renew our minds and we, that's right. we persevere. That's how we renew our minds and we even strive for obedience. Yeah. That's right. Well, and then, you know, when we think conform to the world, Justin, mm-hmm. we think like debauchery. Of course. And I and I, I do I do believe he has that in mind there, but I think he also sure. has worldly ideologies about our relationship with God as well. Well, I mean, the, the, the letter to the Colossians that. says that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's even fighting that in Romans because he has to deal with, you know, well, then should we just keep on sending, you know, so that grace may abound? Sure. Of course not. Yeah. And, and and I think it's interesting too, when he says, Paul says, um, consider daily how to build one another up. Well, I guess that would be Hebrews. Consider how to build it up into love and good works. Well, well, love, we love him because he first loved us. So if you're going to talk about building someone up into love, you're going to be telling them about the love of God, which mm-hmm. can't separate us, right? It's it's These are the things that are so important. And it, being able for me, this is like new for me, uh, just this understanding of like identifying a lie of Satan, a, a, a sinful accusation and go, mm. that's actually not true. That's a lie. And I'm not going to let that sit in my brain anymore. Word. And when I can't figure out how to do that, man, I have the comfort of going, you know what? I have brothers and sisters who are going to do that for mm-hmm. me. They're going to renew me and encourage me. Yeah. So another angle on this, and I know we're running out of time on the regular yeah. show. You and I were talking about this earlier. The In the world, I alluded to this a second ago. Every, it's very evident. Like, I mean, we're speaking as Americans in the kind of Western culture. It's right. very evident. If you look at social media, you look at the news, people everywhere 
are dying for and crying mm. out for mm. forgiveness and absolution and mercy. And it is nowhere to be found. Because yeah. what does the world say? Well, if you will agree with us on this, then your sins are atoned for. If you will do this, then there would be absolution for your guilt. Uh, but every time you you try to do the thing that would get you mercy, you try to do the thing that would cause you to be forgiven, you try to do the thing that would actually attain for you absolution, it's like, oh, just kidding. Uh, it's the it's the proverbial, you know, Lucy and Linus with the football and like you go to kick it and then you're on your backside because yeah, the right. the goalposts keep moving. Yeah, and right. this is obvious. I think if you have eyes to see it, everybody wants to be forgiven of their sins in the world. Like I should say every, the vast majority want to be forgiven for their sins. It's like there's a sense in which, OK, if I'm guilty publicly because of how I've acted or thought, I need to be absolved of that guilt. And what do I need to do? Tell me what I need to do. And this is how we live. And we can't ever get the mercy and the forgiveness and the atonement that we need. Well, we carry that over into our Christian lives. That's we right. think the exact same way. And Satan doubles down on that kind of ideology where it's like, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And I'm trusting Jesus for these things. And on the one hand, I know that I could never earn them. Uh, but now I still have deluded myself into thinking that there's something I got to do so I that I can own. be forgiven so that I can be atoned, like so that atonement can be mine and so that absolution can really be mine and so that I can feel it. And we keep trying to do the thing. And sometimes we fail and we're discouraged and we got no peace. Sometimes we do the thing only to find out there's more to be done because mm -hmm. it can't be done. That's and right. so we struggle in all these ways. And I've often said to people before, like, come invite people in to the church, like as you have relationships in the world and in the community, invite people into the church to taste and see that the Lord is good and to see that Christ is a savior in particular, tell people that that mercy and that forgiveness and that absolution and that atonement that you are craving and you can't find it anywhere, it's found in the church mm. because the church is where Christ is, right? right? And he is the only one who can offer these things to us and he gives it to us yeah. and all we can do is receive it. Yeah, I mean, you see this even with people who have lived a, a life of crime or they've hurt people and, you know, they'll say, you know, I'm basically working off my debt. I'm trying to atone yeah, for myself. Man, yeah. And that's that 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 is so anti-gospel, right? It is. This is what makes grace so radical. It's what makes it, this is why Paul says, or in, in Corinthians, he says, they look at the gospel and go, Well, that's ridiculous. Agreed. That's foolish. You mean you have yeah. someone else pay for your sins? No, you have yeah. to pay for your own right. sins. And it's like, right. but you can't. That's the problem. Exactly. And this is why I, I love this podcast. And I know we're coming down to the end, but I love this podcast because Satan is going to use anything he can. He'll, he'll, um, I love this, that quote from Spurgeon. We put it out there where Spurgeon uh, says that uh, Satan will get preachers to uh, put burdens upon their people. And he kind of dusts his hand and says, thanks for doing my job for me, right? His entire tactics is to burden the world down, the unbeliever and the believer under the weight of their own obligation to keep them from Christ. And mm -hmm. it's our job as the believer to live in the safe reality of our union and joy of Christ so that we have the freedom and the effectiveness of sharing the gospel with those mm -hmm. who are under the weight of their own sin. Yeah. So the whole point of this podcast is don't believe the lies of Satan that you hear even outside the church. It's true. And 
remind, like pray like we did before we started. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help unbelief. And when you're doubting and you don't feel forgiven or you don't feel absolved, you know, you don't feel like there's mercy. It's like, mm. Lord, I trust your word. I, you've said it. I believe you. And, and I pray that as you work in and through me, that I'll feel it more maybe this afternoon or maybe tomorrow. But this is true regardless of how I feel. And we take comfort in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us and that he is our savior. We're not saved by our feelings or we're not saved by our perception of things. We're saved by him. And so that's the comfort of the saints. We're going to now continue talking, John. I've got some personal, even more personal things that yeah. I might share in this second portion of the podcast. We, we record another pod each week, John and I do, called Semper Reformanda, which is also the name of the kind of the the membership that we have where people mm-hmm. have partnered with us financially and become a part of the Semper Reformanda community. There's a number of different things that you get access to, additional podcast content teaching content, lectures, and things that John and I produce. We call that Theocast U. And then there's an app as well that you can get on and get to know people that are thinking through the same things that you are and have the same convictions that you do. So it's very encouraging. So in this second podcast, John and I are going to continue this conversation. I want to talk a little bit more personally uh, and maybe in a way that's self-deprecating to just demonstrate how frail of a man I am. And that may be of encouragement to some and maybe... I don't know, humorous to others. We'll see. And we'll see what John wants to talk about over there. And so many of you will be joining (laughs) us. You just never know. For SR, we'll talk to you there. If not, we hope to talk with you again on the regular pod next week. Trust Christ and calm down. Right? That's right. All right. You'll get a Trust Christ and Calm Down t-shirt at theocast.org. Well, there you go. (laughs) 